Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Thursday, November 16th. So glad that you have jumped on board the Pastoral Devo train. Now, a couple of programming notes here. This will be our last devotional until the week after Thanksgiving. So I think that works out to be Monday, November 27th, maybe. That's when we'll be back here. So we're going to wrap up our, our passage uh, a day early this week. We're off next week, and then we'll finish strong heading into the Christmas season. Okay, we're in Matthew 12. We've been camping out on this the last several days. We are finally up to verses 42 through 50. So let me read, briefly review where we've been, and, and then put a bow on this as we finish up this passage. Verse 43, Matthew 12. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds that the house, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, on the surface, it would seem that these two little passages we just read don't really make sense um, in terms of how they flow from what comes before. So remember, the whole last two chapters have been all about the increasing opposition of the Pharisees to Jesus, that they're out to destroy him, to discredit him, not because they don't know who he is, it's precisely because they know who he is, and that this is a major threat to their lives, and they want to put him away. And so when we, when we get to these last two passages, they can seem almost to be sort of, sort of non sequiturs until we look more closely. And we find here in verse 45 um, that, and we, and we see this as an echo of what's come before, he says, so also will it be with this evil generation. And it seems that what Jesus is doing, he's using, or Matthew's doing, is using two last illustrations to show us the true nature of faith, the true nature of spirituality, the true nature of what it means to know God. And so for the Pharisees, this was all wrapped up there in their idea of what connected them to God. This was wrapped up in externals, in rituals, in, in add-ons to the law, things that were surfacy in nature, but which in fact failed to connect and transform the heart. And Jesus says, apart from that, what really connects you to God is his son, Jesus Christ, is me, is having a relationship with me. That's that's how true biblical faith is, is conceptualized, okay? So he ends in verse 50 with a very important statement 
Because we, we do have to ask, and we'll, well, Pastor Paul, what does it mean to be meaningfully connected to Jesus? What, 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 does, that, what does that mean? Um, what does that look like? Um, and I think Jesus tells us here in verse 50. So this is how he ends this passage. He says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus points to something very important here, okay? That ultimately, the way we um, ascertain or evaluate uh, one's connection to Jesus is not by what one looks like or one where, where one goes to church or by how they rearrange the externals in their life or what their family heritage is or their ethnicity. What connects a person to Jesus, to God the Father, is the one who does what Jesus says, the one who does what Jesus does. And right off the bat, we are faced with a very bold, are we not, um, claim. Um, we think about John's claim when he says, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. Um, no one knows the father. No one worships the true and living God apart from Christ. And, and, and that in itself is just a thunderclap into our spiritual but not religious age, into our, our, our cultural milieu, which, which looks to spirituality as something primarily constructed by men for men or the benefit of men um, according to what we deem best, what we see as best for ourselves. And Jesus here says something radically different. He says, it, the one who knows the Father is the one who does the will of the Father, okay? And we have to say, well, what is the will of the Father? Now, on one level, we could think about this um, in terms of what Jesus says back in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will by no means see the kingdom of God. And there Jesus is, is concerned with the fact that the, the Pharisees may, may act righteously, but really their hearts are far from God. They're, they're doing the right things for the wrong reasons, but also many times they're doing the wrong things. They're, they're focusing on externals, things that have been added to the law. And so, so on one hand, we, we can think about it in that way. He who loves me will, will, will do my commandments, okay? But I think that that there is something fundamental, funda- that, that, that fundamental that Jesus is pointing to here, and I think John MacArthur, when he preached on this message forty five years ago, if you can believe it, had had some great things to say, and I want to quote a few things that he that he mentions here. Okay, um, Matthew eighteen eleven, it's a marvelous passage. He says that expresses the Father's will, and here's what he says. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Okay. Jesus says, I've come to do the will of him that sent me. I've come to save. Okay, here it is. Therefore, the will of him that sent me is to what? To save, to save men. 
And then he illustrates it. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them is astray, does he not leave the 99 and go into the mountains and seek that which has gone astray? And if it be so that he finds it, verily I say unto you, he will rejoice more over that sheep than over the 99 which didn't go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that not one of these little ones should what? Perish. It is the will of the Father in, in, its, in its most basic essence, MacArthur says, that you hear the Son. It is the will of the Father that you believe in the Son. It is the will of the Father that you save, be saved. So when we say, what is the most vital foundational thing to all true religion, all true faith, it is a recognition of and a submission to Jesus Christ. It's a recognition that Jesus has come to save. And God the Father has said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so we can cut out all the other externals and things that, that, that cloud our, our view on these things by, by simply saying, going now, going back to Matthew chapter 12, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What is Jesus saying? Or what, what is the will of the Father? That you believe my Son. That you trust in my Son. That you follow my Son. That you obey my Son. And this is the true test of spirituality. It's not those who are physically connected to Jesus through ethnicity or whatever. It's those who are spiritually connected to Jesus. It doesn't matter what family we come from. It matters now what family we belong to. And Jesus says, if you want to be a part of God's family, this happens in only one way, and that is through me. And that is a thunderclap into our generation, but it's also the greatest point of good news because it clarifies, it distills, it it. it pushes away the haze, it reduces ambiguity to fundamentally know that there is one test and one, and one, one primary test and one only for whether one knows the true God and worships the true God, do you know his son and do you worship him? All right, that's going to wrap it up. We'll say some more things about this, of course, this Sunday when we preach on this text. But for now, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving holiday week. We'll be back here the Monday after Thanksgiving. Let me pray. Lord, you, you remind us in your word, he who has the son has the life. And Lord, we want life, everlasting life, abundant life, um, the life flourishing. And you have provided one avenue for that to happen, and that is to know your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, that's what we want to do. Let us walk in the power of his Holy Spirit who indwells us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you later.